you're perfect. You've never done anything wrong ever in your entire life. That's so and true. I'm Caitlin. Yep. And that's the difference. That's that's it right there. Um, this is Haley. No, this Hi. is Caitlin. That's Haley. You know what I mean? I'm gesturing. <sighs> Let's start this over. No. <laughs> it stays in. Oh, this is crime culture. Hi. That's Haley. I'm yep. Caitlin. We've mm-hmm. established this now. Good What golly. are we talking about today? All right. So we're talking about a case that I want to provide a disclaimer for. Oh, um, no. Yes. I have avoided this case, mostly because it is too complicated for my little ADD brain to handle. Okay. Um, and lots of twisty turnies lots of twisty turnies and i i just i do not and this isn't i should say this isn't to preface to say be gentle but also be gentle um there were things that i had to i had to leave out just because i was like we don't got the time um however no this is the reason i'm pointing this out is because it is the first episode of pride month it is. And this episode had been on our schedule for a while. It had been on our docket even even earlier than that. Um, it's It's been a long time coming. It is not. Well, obviously, if you're listening to this now, then you know. It is not Sandy Hook. I'm not doing that for right now. Uh-huh. Um, but... That was my I first guess. Not, yes, I did not plan for this to be going up during Pride Month. It's just, it was originally supposed to come up, be done earlier, and then we had to move it, and then we had to move a couple other things. And so I didn't yeah, know we enough doing about this Pride case. Month, we weren't yes. doing Pride Month specific episodes this, this yes. year. Yes. We were just kind of like going through our, our list and, and yes. doing what we have. Yes. Um, but this ended up being our kickoff episode of pride month and so i just want everybody to know that that was not intentional and that it simply was it happened it just this this happened this happened um that being said because Haley asked me off mic before we started what we were talking about today and i was like i don't know you tell me um we will be talking about which I don't know because it's not my episode. No, it's not. And that's what we like to do. We like to not keep track of each other's and let it be just as much of a fun little surprise for y'all as it is for us and vice versa. That's what I meant to say before. Um, yeah, no. So that's today. We're talking about Michael Peterson, AKA the staircase case, staircase case, the staircase case, staircase um, case. Uh, among many other names for this case, which I'll get into. Well, I won't get into, but you'll know what the other... You'll know its claim to fame in a minute. If it's not a staircase, it's something else. Um, and this was a semi-listener request, which I will also okay. get into. So, kicking right off, uh, unless you have anything that you want to say or add or point out. No, I'm very know? excited. I, um, I know of the very famous... Docu series, 
on this. I know it's very twisty turny. I don't mm-hmm. remember if I watched the docuseries. I you know what? I might have actually not watched it. I don't know. I I haven't because I I avoided it because it was too twisty turny and it's one of those things where I couldn't keep up. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think it I think it's one of those that it's um it was so talked about once that docuseries came out that it was like a lot of like people's intro to true crime if you weren't yes um if you weren't like a, a listener watcher or follower of true crime beforehand uh that this yes. case was a lot of people's like wait what happened and then that happened yeah mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i know i know it's it's gonna be a lot it's very involved it's super involved um and for that reason we will hop right in uh so michael iver peterson was born near nashville tennessee on october 23rd 1943 to eleanor peterson nay bartolino and eugene iver iver peterson uh michael went to college at duke university where he was president of sigma nu fraternity and served as editor of the daily newspaper the chronicle And after he graduated with a bachelor's degree in political science in 1965, he took a civilian job with the U.S. Department of Defense, where he was assigned to research arguments in support of increased military involvement in Vietnam. Uh, Yeah, that same year, he also married his first wife, Patricia Patty Sue, an elementary school teacher at Rhine Main Air Force Base, Air Base, excuse me, in Grafhausen, West Germany. Whoa. Elliot, hop on in there. Uh, in 1968, Michael was commissioned in the U.S. Marine Corps and served in the Vietnam War before he was honorably discharged with the rank of captain in 1971 after suffering a permanent disability in a car accident. Ooh. Yes. He then went on to become a writer, publishing three historical fiction novels based, quote, around his experiences during the Vietnamese conflict, end quote. That's according Mm. to pretty much anything. Like, even his bio has it in quotes. I don't really know why his own writer's bio has this in quotes, but... The quotes, Vietnamese conflict? No, the quotes around his experiences during the Vietnamese conflict. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like, the whole, the whole, that whole quote. Okay, Um, interesting. Yeah, I'm not really sure... But I figure if he's quoting it, then I should quote it because he would know best. Why not? Um, Yeah. But he, these books are The Immortal Dragon, which was published in 1983. Great title. Oh, there's a few. There's a few. Let me tell you. And they all have pretty good titles. Um, We've got. The Immortal Dragon. Then we've got A Time of War, which was published in 1990, and A Bitter Peace, which was published in 1995. He also went on to co-write the 1998 biography Charlie Two Shoes and The Marines of Love Company. That's the book. I don't really understand what... I promise you, I know that this probably sounds like I'm high right now, but truly I'm trying to understand my own notes here. And this is indeed the whole title. And I thought it was a fuck up on my end. And it's not. Um, He co-wrote the biography with a journalist named David Perlmutt. And again, it's called Charlie Two Shoes and the Marines of Love Company. Charlie Two Shoes. And the Marines of Love Company. Okay. I, how many more times can we say it? I don't know. Um... So we've got that. And then he also co-wrote 
a um his name is Lieutenant Colonel Arthur L. Boyd. He co-wrote his autobiography, a, the 2007 Korean War autobiography, Operation Broken Reed. Okay. Um, so Michael and Patty went on to have two children, Clayton, who was born in 1975, and Todd, Strong who was name. born in 1977. Yes. White names. White names. Isn't um, Clayton the name of the bad guy in Tarzan? It is the name of the bad guy in Tarzan, and I love that I that's I don't trust also, anyone with a Disney villain name. That's also what I refer to as. Also, interesting, interesting instinct. Um, so, while they were living in Germany, they became friends with their neighbors, Elizabeth and George Ratliff, and their two children, Margaret and Martha. The families went on to become very close after George was killed in a military operation in 1983. Uh, so it was just Elizabeth, Margaret, and Martha at that point. And unfortunately, tragedy then struck again on November 25th, 1985, when Margaret and Martha's nanny arrived at the Ratliff family's home in, oh, this name, Groffenhausen, in the early hours of the morning and found 43-year-old Elizabeth Ratliff lying dead at the bottom of a staircase, which was splattered with which was splattered with blood is what my notes say, but isn't there a thing where it's like blood spatter versus blood splatter? Oh, I don't know. That's interesting. It It, it is like our, our forensic science friends will weigh on, weigh in on this. I'm sure, but I'm 99% yeah, sure that there's buds, blood spatter, not blood splatter that like, that's okay. the thing. Um, but regardless, blood, all, all over the fucking staircase. Um, okay. And at the time, Ratliff's death was thought to be from natural causes. Um, the autopsy included that concluded that she died from an intracerebral hemorrhage caused by a pre-existing blood disorder known as Von Willebrand's disease. Mm. And the coroner ruled that the hemorrhage caused her to collapse, fall down the stairs and hit her head, which explained the amount of blood found at the scene. Um, now here is the thing. Michael was the last known person to see Ratliff alive, but he wasn't suspected of any wrongdoing. In fact, he became the guardian of Margaret and Martha, who were just under four and two years old at the time their mother died. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, and under like one of them was born in December of 1983 and the other was one was born in like winter 1983. One was born in winter 1981, I believe is what. Yeah, I recall um, the youngest Martha was the one born in 1983 because she was like not even a year old when her father died and she wasn't even wow. two by the time her mother was dead. She mm -hmm. was 22 months old. Um, wow. Yeah. So Michael and Patty, meanwhile, so they've got their two sons, Clayton and Todd. Then they have adopted, become the guardians of Margaret and Martha. And. In 1987, Michael and Patty ended up getting a divorce, at which point Clayton and Todd went to go live with their mother and Margaret and Martha stayed with Michael, who at that point had moved to Durham, North Carolina. And while okay. he was in Durham, he worked for the newspaper, The Herald Sun, writing a column that became known for its criticism of the police and of Durham County District Attorney James Harden Jr. Hashtag ACAB. Clayton mm. and Todd also later moved to Durham to live with their father. So in 1989, two years after his divorce, Michael moved in with his then girlfriend, Kathleen Atwater, who was just if 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 we can reclaim the term girl boss, 
Kathleen was a fucking girl boss. Um, she was a very successful business executive. Executive. I don't know why I'm slurring my words. Uh, too much Coke Zero, I suppose. Uh, at a telecommunications company called Nortel Network. Like, just okay. literally a fucking, a fucking boss. And the couple went on to marry in 1997, at which point Michael became the stepfather of Kathleen's daughter, Caitlin. Spelled the wrong way, with a C. Otherwise okay. spelled correctly. Uh, fuck out of here with your whys. And according to those who knew them, Michael and Kathleen had a blissfully happy life together. Uh, just a storybook second marriage for the both of them. When one friend actually told CBS News that they were, quote, an extraordinary couple. They had all the appearances and trappings of happiness totally compatible with one another, end quote. Which mm. means we have reached Dateline Zone. Yeah. <laughs> but before we get to Dateline Zone, in 1989, so years, literal decades after his very brief military career, Michael was running for mayor of Durham when he claimed that he had been awarded a silver star, a bronze star with valor, and two purple hearts, one for getting shot and the other for getting hit by shrapnel when another soldier stepped on a, a landmine. Okay. He later admitted that his war in injury was not the result of the shrapnel wound in Vietnam, but actually the result of a car accident in Japan where he was stationed after the war as a military police officer. Still, okay. though, he maintained that he had all the medals in his possession, but not the documentation for them. However, the News and George Observer. George Santos did. He kind of did because the News and Observer said that there were no records containing any mention of the two Purple Hearts he said he received. So they could not find any this records. kind of lie is really, really fascinating to me. Like the George Santos story, if people don't know, he lied about so much stuff that is silly easily, shit but it's easily verifiable that's what i'm saying like stuff that like it wasn't even a good lie because you didn't back yourself up does that like, make sense some, there's some you interesting do one Google. there's some interesting lies but then there's like the one that like he was on the volleyball team like a star athlete on the volleyball yeah. team for like some college it's like that is so easy to yes debunk like yes and it's it's people like running for office and stuff to try to make it themselves is. seem like better. I'm like, yeah, I know somebody. You don't think somebody's gonna like find this out? Like, I, well, I exactly know. because I knew somebody actually who ran for public office and in in a different, not not around here, um, but in the United States and. He said that he graduated from some college. I forget, like a college that you would know, not an Ivy, but like a state school type of thing, uh -huh. not the state where they were running. And literally it took this was back in the, the 2000s, not the 2010s. So like we're mm -hmm. in Googleable era, just like we are here with Michael Peterson. But you know what I mean? Yeah. And people were able to Google and figure out that like this dude's running for public office and turns out not only did not graduate from that college but like did not graduate from high school yeah it's just so weird of something that is like you're running for public office and you're publicly putting it it's not like you like put it like on facebook yeah or, or like or you putting were, it on facebook yeah or yeah or you were on a date or something like that and you just like said it like casually like this is something that's on the record like you're going to be interviewed and 
Yeah. It, this you're is running like against somebody. Places. Yeah. Somebody's going to try to prove you wrong and that you're not the the candidate for the job. And it that's is, exactly what happens. It, he did not yeah, win. It is that mindset <laughs> that is like so wild to me. But like, it's just so interesting to find out like he he did this exact same thing. So yeah, go on. Yes. Yes. So w- I, I, he didn't win. Um, but like I said, he's got this great relationship with his wife. He's got four kids, one step kid wonderful blended family very happy um they live in a sprawling white house in the durham forest hills neighborhood of durham north carolina and this is i guess where i'm going to take the time to mention the request for this case because my friend from college kara she and her husband tom actually lived around the corner from this house where i'm about to tell you what goes down and this is we were talking about like people's introductions to true crime. This was Kara's introduction to true crime because she lived yeah. around the corner from this fucking house. Not yeah. at this time, obviously, like this is they the, when she told me about this, it was like a year ago that she said, uh-huh. actually, I live around the corner and they I don't believe they do anymore. Um, but she was like, yeah, I live around the corner from this fucking house. Like I drive by it all the time. And wild. I, I heard about this and was like, no fucking way. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, when it hits so close, literally to yes, home like around that. around the corner. Yes. Yeah, it just becomes so much more real. It's like, yeah, this happened in my community. Mm-hmm. Bad things can happen kind of everywhere. Well, and that's, neither the of them lived in Durham at the time. They were uh-huh. both from up, they were both from the East Coast, like from from yeah. the Northeast. Um, they just they found this out after they moved there, yeah. and somebody and like because the people are still talking about it because this yeah. is. This is a while back, but that's to get to get into the what of it. So at 2.40 a.m. on December 9th, 2001, Michael called 911 and frantically told the dispatcher that he had just come inside his home to find his wife, Kathleen, who was at the time 48 years old, unconscious at the bottom of their staircase, this big staircase in their house. And he speculated that she had fallen down, quote, 15, 20, I don't know end quote stairs now during this initial call i don't know how many stairs we have well i mean i do because we don't have stairs but like i my parents house i couldn't tell you how many stairs i think that the standard amount is 13 but even then i'm guessing i have no idea and we live we live not on the first floor so i wouldn't be able to tell you like how many stairs are from our floor to the ground floor uh-huh. I don't know. Do you know? Yeah, you have stairs. How I, many stairs do you have? I knew in my my house that I grew up in. I don't know my apartment. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, that's fair. Um so yeah, so he doesn't know. And so during this initial call, he said that Kathleen was still breathing. But then after the first call was disconnected, he called 911 again, and during that call he said she wasn't breathing. And when the authorities Mm. reported to the scene moments later, they found Kathleen's body lying where Michael had described, surrounded by a large amount of blood. And toxicology results later showed that Kathleen's blood alcohol content was 0.07%. The content Mm. in her urine was 0.11. And she had taken between 5 and 15 milligrams of Valium. That was in her system. Wow. Okay. Yes. So Michael later told ABC News that he and Kathleen had watched a movie together that evening. Then they sat by the pool for several hours drinking wine. 
Kathleen then went to bed earlier than he had, and when he eventually did come inside, he found her and figured that she must have slipped and fallen to her death on the stairs, being under the influence of alcohol and possibly Valium. And he didn't hear any of it. And he didn't hear any of it. Okay. However, according to the police who had arrived on the scene, the amount of blood that was spilled across the stairs and that was on Kathleen's person immediately raised suspicions of foul play with them. So a medical examiner who had examined Kathleen's body at the scene initially concurred that the death had probably been an accident. But that narrative soon began to shift when during a postmortem examination, the coroner concluded that Kathleen had died from injuries that were actually more consistent with blunt force trauma and not an accidental fall. Okay. So on purpose, whoopsie daisy instead of accidental whoopsie daisy. So according to the autopsy report, um, I would skip ahead 30 seconds if you are queasy. Ish, ish, ish. And I would start now. She sustained a variety of severe injuries, including a fracture of the superior cornu of the left thyroid cartilage, which basically means Ooh. like the upper portion of her larynx, from what I could tell. Honestly, my friend Anya just became a doctor. I should have called Dr. Anya and said, excuse me, what is this? But I didn't. Um, though at her graduation ceremony, they said that anybody who does that now that you're a doctor should be giving you lots of gifts. So I just saved myself a gift for Anya. Um, but also she suffered seven lacerations to the top and back of her head, which were consistent with blows from a blunt object. And she had died from blood loss 90 minutes to two hours after she sustained the injuries. Oh, wow. Yes. So on December 20th, 2001, so like, give or take two weeks after he found his wife's body. Michael was indicted for Kathleen's murder and taken into custody after he surrendered himself to the police shortly after. He said in a public statement, quote, Kathleen was my life. I've whispered her name in my heart a thousand times. She is there and I can't stop crying. I would never have done anything to hurt her, end quote. So at first, all of Peterson's children, as well as Kathleen Atwater, Caitlin Atwater, excuse me, and Kathleen's sister, Candace Zamperini, stood by him, proclaiming his innocence. But Caitlin even began the, to reconsider. But even even the, the two kids that he adopted because Margaret of another Martha. woman yes, yes. that fell downstairs? Yes. yes. Allegedly? Margaret, Martha, Clayton, Todd, all of them vehemently supported their father. So did, did Caitlin did, did, in the, did the two girls? Yeah, did the two girls know what happened to their mother? I would think they do. And they do now. Okay. Um, yeah. It's just, like, it's just is... interesting that you were involved in two of these situations that are very, very similar. Yeah. But okay. And they're both accidents. All and, right. and, and the girls are adult age. They're like 18 and 20-ish, like yeah. pushing those ages. By this so... time in 2001? Huh? By this time By in this 2001, time yes. In... yes. Okay. Um, so... Caitlin Atwater and Kathleen's sister Candace Amparini, they also were like, yeah, he he's innocent until. So Caitlin started to reconsider after reading her mother's autopsy report. And then ultimately, both she and Zamperini cut off contact with Michael and the rest of the family and aligned themselves with the prosecution. Um, Zamperini, though, her reasoning was not to do with the autopsy. We will get into hers in a bit. Um, okay. So less than a month after his indictment on January 14th, 2002, Michael posted bail, which had been set at $850,000 and was released from jail to await trial. 
And on October 29th, 2002, um, Kathleen's daughter filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Michael, and she was ultimately awarded a $25 million judgment in her favor. Mm. Meanwhile, it didn't take a genius to, like Haley just said, not that she's not a genius, she is, the similarities between Kathleen's death and the death of Elizabeth Ratliff back in 1985. This actually caused the German authorities to reopen Elizabeth's case in June 2003. Mm. Her body was exhumed after 17 years and a new autopsy was performed, which found that Elizabeth had died from blunt force trauma to the head, most likely as a result of a homicidal attack. And prosecutors in Darmstadt, Germany, confirmed that they were working with U.S. authorities on the possibility of a linked investigation. Meanwhile, Michael remained free on bail throughout his trial, which began July 1st, 2003 in Durham, North Carolina, and featured 65 witnesses and more than 800 pieces of evidence. And guess who was one of the prosecutors? None other than, thank you for the silence, motherfucking Durham County District Attorney James Harden Jr., the same guy Michael was talking shit about in The Herald Sun. So Harden comes into this. Yeah, he comes in all like, Miley, what's good? And the prosecutors began to argue that Michael concocted a quote-unquote fictional plot to make it look like his wife fell down the steep rear staircase of their home when in fact she was brutally murdered most likely being hit repeatedly with a custom-made fireplace poker called a blowpoke, which had been uh. a gift from Kathleen's sister. That's Harden a gift, said, sure. I, I mean, it's it's some white people shit. Like, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, they're is. living... Yeah, sure. yeah. Like, if you saw, like, the very, like, bougie... Not bougie, but, like, it's a very classic New Englandy-esque mansion that they lived in. Um, uh-huh. Like, white white house like the typical the typical fare it was like ah yes they received a blow poke um but yeah so harden said of the case quote it's impossible for me to believe that could be caused from a series of missteps or a fall down 15 different stairs i just can't see that happening this had to occur from multiple inflictions of blunt force trauma end quote meanwhile The defense argued that Kathleen died in a freak accident, specifically that she had slipped on the stairs, hit her head, then slipped in her own blood as she tried to get to her feet, causing more severe head injuries. Michael's Mm. defense team even hired the man, the myth, the legendary forensics expert, Dr. Henry C. Lee, who testified. I know we love him. We know him. Um, Yes. Haley and I, I, I like he went he was. Up until very recently, the founder of the forensic science school program thing at our alma mater, the University of New Haven. Um, shout out to Dr. Lee. And he worked on, you name it, like the Jean Bonnet Ramsey case, the Elizabeth Smart case, um, the wood chipper murder case, like so many yeah. cases that we've already talked about. And this dude's just a fucking. So he knows his shit. Yeah. And he testified that the blood spatter evidence was consistent with an accidental fall down the stairs. Okay. He was brought in by the defense team. Okay. And so that's, so take that with what you know. But back to the blowpoke thing. So, no, it was not the blowpoke gift thing. I don't know which sister, but I was like, oh, I wonder if it was Zamperini who gave the blowpoke. Um, also, fun thing to say, blowpoke. Blowpoke. It was not Zamperini 
and the who gave who, who, <coughs> or this is not what led Zamperini to believe that her former brother-in-law had murdered her sister. No. So you see, to bolster their arguments that Michael had murdered his wife, um, the prosecution also outed him to the public. It turned oh. out that so they called to the stand a former male escort named Brent Wolgamott who testified that Michael had paid him for sex on multiple occasions and revealed to the juror that it turned out Michael was bisexual and had affairs with men outside of his marriage. Um, Ooh, they outed him in court. That's outed chill. him in court. Yeah. Um, also happy pride. I did not know about this. Oh no, I, I didn't did know not about know any about part this. Of this. Yeah. And I found this out and I was like, well, fuck. Okay. Um, yeah, I yeah. did not know about that at this all was as part of this case. This was the cornerstone of their argument, actually. Was they contended, really? yes, they contended that the Petersons' marriage was far from happy, suggesting that when Kathleen discovered her husband's, as they called it, quote unquote, secret gay life, she uh. confronted him about it and wanted to end their marriage, and the resulting fight is what led to her death. According to District Attorney Frida Black, Kathleen, quote, would have been infuriated by learning that her husband, who she truly loved, was bisexual and having an extramarital affair, not with another woman, but a man, which would have been humiliating and embarrassing to her. We believe that once she learned this information, that an argument ensued and a homicide occurred, end quote. You're making a lot of assumptions and um, there's nothing wrong with being in a relationship and not being straight <laughs> there's nothing wrong uh, with not being straight there's also there's such a thing the, the as an open relationship there is but the extramarital affair yeah i would be pissed um i'd be pissed not I'd because be pissed it's with regardless of who it was gender. with yes yeah. because i'd be pissed because it's an affair of, that's fucked up yeah that's a, that's a breach of trust not the gender that the person is like that's exactly that's exactly beside the point but it, it had nothing to do like this became like unfortunately it became a very southern like uh, the the nice southern christian early 2000s thing early 2000s like witch hunty type of vibe Ooh, um so yes this was the main motive that they offered at at trial for Kathleen's alleged murder despite the fact like they led with this over the other like that that was their main thing and then also they were like also by the way um she had a 1.4 to 1.5 million dollar my sources differed life insurance policy which never was supposed to be paid out to policy. michael in the event of her death never have so, a life insurance policy or never tell your partner you have a life insurance policy yes um but but that said they zeroed in in my research and this also could be media inflation um, but they seem to mostly zero in on the bisexuality thing and not on the fact that she had a life insurance policy. However, yeah. so prosecutors said Michael was hoping to use the payout to address his debts, which included $143,000 in credit card debt alone. Ooh. And however, Michael had signed away any claim to the life insurance proceeds during the trial. But because of what is known as the Slayer Rule, which stipulates that anyone suspected of murder or plotting a murder is prevented from benefiting from the dead person's life insurance policy, whether they were the beneficiary or not, Michael wouldn't have been able to collect any of the money anyway. Instead, Kathleen's daughter, the Slayer Rule. um, Damn. So Caitlin and Caitlin's father, Fred Atwater, received that money. But yeah, so the defense argued that not only did Kathleen actually know that Michael was bisexual, 
but that she even accepted his sexuality and his extramarital affairs, that she knew about both of these things. Um, in addition... And it's worth mentioning that you can be in a heterosexual relationship and be bisexual and not be somebody that needs to have affairs. Like, yeah, you don't have to have affairs. Yeah, it's just not It's not like the uh, the trope of somebody who's bisexual can't handle themselves oh in gosh. any situation yes. yeah that's yes. that's some or bullshit. that they're constantly like trust me trust me i know of at least one person who is bisexual and i can tell you that they're not sitting there being like oh my god i gotta get it in 24 7 um yeah but in addition to the defense michael and kathleen's children uh aside from caitlin but kathleen kind of considered Clayton and Todd and Margaret and Martha to also be her children. Um, yeah. They and their friends and their associates, everybody maintained with the defense that the marriage was a very happy one. However, Zamperini refused to believe that her sister would accept such things, all of which is a tough one. Um, like maybe Kathleen yeah, did fucking know. Complicated. Yes, maybe she knew, maybe she didn't. I can I can understand based on how this all was treated and received why she would maybe know and not tell anybody if she knew. Um Yeah, based on the the thoughts the and reactions. feelings yeah of people at the time. And also yes. like you can you can like fully know your family and not know their sexual lives with their partners. Like Ex exactly. I believe that. <laughs> Well, and you can, why would you tell your sibling that exactly? Why are you telling your sibling who your partner wants to fuck? Like, think about yeah, that. Even if, or who even they if are super, fucking. Yeah. Even if you're super close, like, yeah, that's, like that's, that's something that's, very no, personal. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, no. and, and that's the thing. And, and also, like, who's to say, like, maybe she only knew about her husband's sexuality and not the affairs. Or maybe she only knew that he was having affairs, but she didn't know they were with men. Like, we don't know. Yeah. And we yeah. can't ask her. Yeah. Um, that's making that's making a ton of assumptions that there's a ton. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But either way. So this weaponization, though, of Michael's sexuality in the trial just kind of screamed bigotry to me, particularly at the hands of Frida Black who, if you watch footage from the trial, she just spits out these words, like, bisexual and anal sex, with, with just such disgust that uh -huh. there's clearly some prejudice up in there. Like, it's not being said from a, um, I don't even want to say accepting, because that's not the word that I'm looking for. It, it's just, she's not, she's saying it for the wrong reasons. She's just spouting vitriol. Yeah. And trying to make her argument. And the, just the whole thing is messy. It's not about some guy's sexuality. It's about possibly two, but at least one murder. And while his sexuality may have played a role, it could and should just have been handled in a much more appropriate way. One might even say mature yeah. way, because this is not a mature way of handling this. Um, it's no in my opinion, disgraceful. But anyway, as the details of Michael's private life emerged, that's when the trial started to draw increasing media attention because, oh my God, a bisexual. Um, yeah. But Hardin, Black, and the rest of the prosecution team, among them being Mike Nifong, used him being closeted to further attack his credibility 
and focused on his alleged misreporting of his military service when he ran for mayor. Um, so being like, not only did he lie about his sexuality and he lied about his affairs, but he lied about his purple hearts. And so, yeah, but that doesn't make any difference because um, him being bisexual has no bearing on whether he would be a good mayor or not. Him lying exactly. about like get like his military history. That's a problem because yes. like you don't that's do that. Lying, yeah. You don't do that. But it's it's disrespectful to the people who have gotten those things. Um, and, yeah. and that's all to say. I, I I don't think I think that's a bit of a leap to like, oh, well, first he lied about his sexuality and then he lied about this military service. And clearly he's a liar. And I'm like, listen, these are two very different things. Yeah. These are two very different things. Um, but according to the medical examiner, Deborah Radish, Kathleen died from lacerations of the scalp caused by a homicidal assault. And she said the total of seven lacerations to the top and back of Kathleen's head were the result of repeated blows with a light yet rigid weapon. However, okay. the defense disputed this theory, saying that the lacerations were not consistent with blows of any sort because there was a lack of underlying injury, such as skull fractures or bruising, swelling and hemorrhaging of the brain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Two days before resting his case, though, an attorney on the defense team, David Rudolph, brought out the blow poke, which mm. prosecutors had originally said, like I mentioned before, had gone missing mysteriously after Kathleen's death. Nobody was able to recover it from the crime scene. Okay. However, the defense said that it had been found just leaning up against a wall in Peterson's garage in the in the Peterson's garage, though there was no explanation given for who found it, when they found it, et cetera. Um, but even the lead homicide investigator for the case, Art Holland, admitted on the stand that the tool wasn't, quote unquote, mangled, which is how it should have been had it been used in a beating, especially one okay. of this ferocity. So they've got a murder weapon that they have conveniently been unable to recover. Mm -hmm. Then suddenly the defense recovers it and says, look, it looks completely fine. It's totally normal. Yeah. And it, it shouldn't be. Experts are saying it shouldn't be. You've got the medical examiner saying like, yeah, this is this is assault. You've got the daddy of forensic science saying looks like an accident. Blood uh -huh. spatter indicates accident. But regardless, on October 10th, 2003, after just a three month trial, the jury, which consisted of five men and seven women, found Michael Peterson guilty of first degree murder after 15 hours of deliberation over the course of either four or five days. My sources differed. And they of deliberation. And when they first began deliberating, they were not all in agreement. And according to one juror, a nurse named Shirley Farrell, who later she later told Court TV, quote, we did take a vote at the beginning and we took several votes and the dynamics kept changing, end quote. Mm. So according to Court TV, as the court clerk read the verdict aloud, Michael's face blanched and Margaret and Martha Ratliff just sobbed behind him on the front in the front row of the gallery. And they were comforted by their brothers, Clayton and Todd. Harden and Black declined to seek the death penalty because there was such strong community support around Michael. Everyone mm -hmm. was rallying around him. So he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Wow. And 
yeah when the superior court judge overseeing the case presiding over the case orlando hudson jr asked michael if he wanted to comment before receiving his sentence michael said quote i just want to say to my children and then turned to face the gallery and repeated the phrase quote it's okay to clayton then todd then margaret then martha he just said it to each of them just Mm. to reassure them it's okay Afterwards, Michael's defense lawyer, Rudolph, announced that he would file an appeal, which I'll get to in a second. Um, His client was sentenced, handcuffed, and as Michael was led out of the courtroom, Margaret and Martha began to audibly sob. Mm. Um, And Michael called out, it's all right, before being brought into custody. Mm. So here's the thing about the guilty verdict, though. Um, This came despite several missteps in the prosecution's case, including an expert witness whose testimony about the mechanisms behind Kathleen's injuries was thrown out. After Judge Hudson determined that the man, Dr. Sami Shaibani, had committed perjury about his academic credentials, Hardin said in a press conference, quote, trying to find out more about Dr. Shaibani and his circumstances will be something that I am going to do, end quote. Hmm. Holland, Art Holland, the lead investigator, said the jury's decision had vindicated the police and the prosecutors uh, saying, quote, this verdict shows that we are not idiots, that we know how to do our job and we do it well. I'm convinced that that blow poke was not in that garage, end quote. However, mm. and, and, and again, remember, Holland and Harden both have more skin in this game because, again, I want to point out the this verdict shows that we are not idiots because that's basically what peterson's michael peterson's column was all basically like like he was a cab before it was cool so but it's very interesting that holland points out uh, like about the blow poke like oh clearly we did it right because even though we didn't find the blow poke like the conviction came and blah 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 because Farrell told court tv that the jury dismissed the blow poke theory entirely during their deliberations Mm-hmm. saying quote we didn't feel that the blowpoke was necessarily what was used in this case or possibly anything like it end quote yeah so it just that's just to say so black said that she was grateful for the verdict but that her heart was with the peterson and ratliff family saying quote i feel for them because they truly feel what they believe about their loved one it's going to be a difficult day for them end quote mm. which is like so fucking condescending. I don't think I've ever heard a prosecutor say anything like that about the loved ones of someone they've convicted, even if it was like a Ted Bundy-esque. Like you didn't hear anybody saying that about like Ted Bundy's lovers. Like, oh, I feel bad for them because they really think that he did it. He didn't do it. And that that's gotta be really hard for them. Like Yeah, to live in that false reality. Yeah. I mean, you and I can say that because yeah, those are crazy bitches. But to say that on the steps of the courthouse as his family is he's got young younger they're at their oldest in their early 20s children and their dad has just been put behind bars like for the rest of their his life their lives like that's fucked up to say like whether he did it or not his kids are not to blame here so like why make fun of them why vilify the family why why like do that um furthermore michael's lawyer rudolph told reporters outside the courthouse quote i frankly don't understand the verdict i am very 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 disappointed end quote 
but he announced his intention to file an appeal saying there were, quote, major, major issues in this case, end quote, including the male escort who was allowed to testify about his email correspondence with Peterson and the evidence that was brought forth about Elizabeth Ratliff's death in 1985, that they were like pointing that they were connecting the two. Um, And Rudolph added, quote, it's not a final defeat and the war isn't over. The battle, this battle is over and there will be another one, end quote. Uh, He also said that he needed to look over the appeals evidence, but he did not ask for bond, a a bond hearing for his client because of this. Uh And now on August 21st, 2008, we're jumping ahead in time. But about five years. Because this okay. is the day that we have all been waiting for. It is here, Haley. Hoot hoot. That's right. Yes. You ruined it for me, but thank you. Today is the day, everybody, that the infamous owl theory takes flight. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. So T. Lawrence Pollard, who goes by Larry, he was one of Michael's attorneys. He was a friend and neighbor of the Petersons. He holds a press conference during which he publicly presented evidence supporting the idea that Kathleen could have died because of a wild owl flying into the house and attacking her in such a way that she fell down the stairs in the frenzy. This is the the most insane theory I have ever heard in my entire life. This dude basically said this woman was pushed down the stairs just by by a fucking owl. By an owl. By by a fucking owl. And that's proof. He's got proof. He points out the the microscopic owl feathers. There were these microscopic owl feathers that were found in Kathleen's hair, like on her person, her body. Proves it. And he was like, you know what? Plus an owl's talons totally could have caused those lacerations on her scalp. Think about it. Uh, Okay. Give it a think. Now, Haley doesn't support this theory because she does not believe that birds are real. Therefore, negates no, the not. whole fucking thing. They're government either that or, she was, I was about to she say was either that or this was government. a government conspiracy. Yes. It was. So She knew too much. She knew too about much. About what? I don't know. <laughs> we'll never know. That was the point. Um, nope. No. So according to the Durham News, Pollard filed three affidavits in January 2017 to further support this theory, saying written statements from three experts should persuade that persuade judge hudson to order the state medical examiner's office to turn over all documentation related to kathleen peterson's autopsy including photos videos notes and audio recordings um the affidavits also asked to unseal the autopsy photographs and pollard said if granted the information would be used to prove that kathleen was killed by an owl as opposed to the prosecution's theory of blunt force trauma Um, Pollard apparently had pushed the owl theory for years, but prosecutors and police dismissed it. And the defense did not mention it during Peterson's trial. Yeah, the request followed a series in the news and observer that questioned the investigative tactics of State Bureau investigation, uh, of the State Bureau of Investigations agents, uh, particularly one testimony that we'll get to in a minute. And Peterson's letter had also written a letter. Peterson's children had also written a letter to the News and Observer about wanting their father to have a new trial. But in the first affidavit, a former U.S. Army surgeon and at the time current North Dakota neurosurgeon and owl expert, Dr. Alan Van Norman. That's a lot of things to be. A lot of things. A lot of things. Credibility. 
He wrote that two lacerations on Kathleen's scalp appeared to be a pair, with each laceration having, quote, the appearance of a trident with three limbs converging to a point at roughly 30 degrees from each other and a fourth limb converging to the same point at nearly 180 degrees from the center limb of the other three limbs, end quote. He also said that the injuries were not consistent with a blunt instrument, but rather a large bird of prey, writing, quote, the multiple wounds presented suggest to me that an owl and Miss Peterson somehow became entangled. Perhaps the owl got tangled in her hair or perhaps she grabbed the owl's foot, end quote. In Uh the second affidavit. Dr. Patrick T. Reddig, a professor of veterinary medicine at the University of Minnesota, also agreed with the owl theory. Writing, quote, in my professional opinion, the hypothesized attack to the face and back of the head resulting in the various punctures and lacerations visible in the autopsy photographs is entirely within the behavioral repertoire of large owls, end quote. So he really is like, yo, an owl would fucking do this. Owls? Fucking assholes, man. They would. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have heard that owls are assholes. I have heard. I have also heard that owls are assholes. Um. I had once lamented to my father, who used to trap and hunt, that's how he bootstrapped his way through college, um, that I was like, you know, I've never seen an owl and I'm real bummed about that. And he was like, no, 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 you're lucky because of it. Um, You don't want to see an owl because that means the owl has seen you. Um, Yeah. So then we've got finally Kate P. Davis, the executive director of Raptors of the Rockies in Western Montana, who wrote in the third affidavit that it is not uncommon for owls to attack people and that they can kill species much larger than themselves, saying, quote, even a human, I guess, saying, quote, the lacerations on Mrs. Peterson's scalp look very much like those made by a raptor's talons, especially if she had forcibly torn the bird from the back of her head. That would explain the feathers found in her head, in her hand and the many hairs pulled out by the root ball, broken or cut. The size and configuration of the lacerations would certainly indicate the feet of a barred owl, end quote. I feel like there would and be apparently that's the type more... of owl, a barred yeah, owl. Yeah, I feel like there would be more feathers if she was like grappling with an owl. I like, girl, not just the microscopic feathers in her hair. I don't know. I'm surprised that this that this quite frankly, this theory, forgive me, I just knocked over a can, that this theory has gone this far. I'm I've flown this far. Yeah. Like yeah. unfortunately, this theory has legs and wings. Yeah, I don't I don't believe this one. Oh, I I'm I'm not completely. He got three different experts and like they're expert experts. And not only that, the affidavits, the affidavits also included a letter from Dr. Robert C. Fleischer, the senior scientist and head of the Center for Conservation Genomics at the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History. Basically, the fucking temperance Brennan IRL. And in this letter, he said that he was willing to conduct a DNA test on the feathers to determine the species of bird they came from because he was also an avid birder and was like, yep, birds. It is weird that she had feathers in her hair, though. Is that typical? I'm saying. I mean, I don't think I Did have feathers have, like, in my hair. This was before the trend where everybody was putting feather extensions in their hair. I did do that one summer. Um, Aww, but I don't jealous. think it was an owl feather. I, that um, you know of. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, that, that's weird. It is weird. I didn't know that she had feathers in her hair. And they're sitting there and they're saying like these things, these these lacerations, like the defense did say. That there was no that basically the 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 lacerations on her head were like not there was no bludgeoning that it was just Uh there were lacerations. And it's like, I mean, 
I'm, I am strange. Well, it was like every door and window open. Like, how did this owl get into this house? Well, and also, did this owl follow them from fucking Germany? Like, what is it? Yeah, right? is, this that, is this that one, that one, what is it? Um, There's that one joke or analogy or something about there's a snail that's always trying to kill you. The snail is always moving. It always knows where you are. So you have to keep moving. Like, is this owl just like a slightly faster snail? Is that and finally this, it caught up it with follows? it caught up with him. Yes. It follows, but with owls. I don't know. I truly don't know. Yeah, like the, the thing with the feathers is weird for sure, but also the fact that he is involved in two women's death that both fell downstairs fell, quote unquote, quote unquote. Like I don't know. Definitely fell allegedly by here. weird we- means. Yes. Yeah. But um before we crack this case um oh shit you are so welcome um she just opened so- a can of whoop ass <laughs> i'm coming for you owl um god damn no. so- <laughs> how many licks um, to the center of the tootsie pop asshole Pol- uh, pollard i was about to say the owl says who me and i say yeah you um coming for you bitch no, so Pollard said of the affidavits, quote, it does give us new hope. We know that we got the feather. We know that it happened late at night. We know that there was a small wooden slither recovered that was determined to be a tree limb. The SBI crime lab did not examine the feathers. They assumed these feathers didn't have anything to do with the crime, end quote. Morons. And also that they would assume thing, that the feathers like, had nothing to do with, you know, there's a serial owl killer on the loose. Yeah. I mean, I'm leaning towards that Michael Peterson is guilty. Uh, just based on, like, the history of everything that happened. It just seems like you're the common anomaly here. And um, right. I, I don't know, but it just seems like... Um, he would have heard her grappling with an owl. How big was uh, this house? How big was this owl? And he didn't hear. Yeah, how big was this owl? Where did the, the owl. owl go? Where did the owl like, come from? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Owl? Where'd she, yeah, where'd she come from? Where'd you go? <laughs> yeah, it just seems like. Yeah, and if she's. To be fair, she, we are not laughing at Kathleen. Kathleen, unfortunately this is this is fucked up like she died but the owl theory is one that will continue yeah it goes down in true crime history is the most what it it it, it, it truly just the most what yeah and maybe it did happen i'm not saying it didn't because like i have not discussed this case with my father but i have discussed owls with my father and my dad has said that owls are some mean motherfuckers but yeah, like i mean birds descendants of dinosaurs like, we know that chickens are basically, like, tiny T-Rexes. Like, please don't fact check me on that. I'm sure that that's been disproven, but just let me make this joke. Like, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Unfortunately, whether or not they knew, the powers that, P- that be really didn't give a hoot about Pollard's oh. owl theory. And that's, that's, that's too bad. However, on December 14th, 2011... Michael was granted a new trial after Judge Hudson ruled that one of those agents that I mentioned earlier, Dwayne Deaver, misled both the judge himself and the jury when he gave a damning testimony regarding the blood spatter patterns at the crime scene and the strength of bloodstain evidence. 
during this trial in 2003. Mm -hmm. And that it basically caused the integrity of the entire original case to be caused to called into question. Well, I can't speak today. Called into question. Okay. So nearly a decade after being convicted of the first degree murder of Kathleen Peterson on Friday, December 16, 2011, after securing a $300,000 bond two days prior, Michael was released from prison on house arrest with an ankle monitor while awaiting a new trial. According to ABC News affiliate WTVD, a State Bureau investigation analyst named Dwayne Deaver was fired earlier that year after an independent review found that he had either, quote, misreported test results, withheld results that could have developed, could have helped the defendant or overstated the strength of the evidence to the benefit of prosecutors, end quote, in more than 30 cases. Oh, yeah, we got ourselves good. a dirty fucking agent. Mm. Like, and with that, I mean, I, I don't know. That's pretty fucking damning because that was yeah. like all they've got is the similarity between these two women's deaths. But also he did not kill his first wife. He killed maybe allegedly They're They're saying uh-huh. he may have killed his neighbor. We've got these two deaths that may or may not be linked. But other than that, their main argument was, well, look at the blood spatter. Which Dr. Lee was like, look at the blood spatter. Um, how how big is the blood spatter from falling downstairs? I don't even know. Well, there was about a pool that. of blood. That was the point. Okay. And she was covered in blood. But and that's what they were saying. But now he what the the bureau is saying is that he inflated, he he misled just how bad the like the strength of the blood stain evidence was. And with with that gone, mm-hmm. and Doctor Lee saying it could have been an accident, um, and quite frankly, it's less strange than an owl coming in. That yeah, so two I just women googled, fell yeah, I just down googled the stairs. How common is death from falling downstairs? Because I need to know this because mm-hmm. this is it mm-hmm. seems a little weird that one person would be connected to two falling downstairs deaths. Yeah. Um, according to the study, falling falls downstairs cause an average of approximately one million injuries per year. Shit. In total, this adds up to the second leading cause of accidental injuries in the entire country. I mean, how Makes often sense. do you tripping down a step? You're like breaking an ankle, something like that. Crazy. How often do you hear? Oh, did you hear about so and so's nana? She died. She had a fall. Yeah. Additionally, falling down the stairs causes an average of 12,000 deaths per year. Jesus Christ, that's more than sharks. This is from SoboAndSoboLaw.com. Thank you, Sobo and Sobo. Yes. Um, but that's that's interesting information. And like, think about it. So this this has been disproven. This blood thing has been, dis- he's been discredited. They also had another expert witness have their testimony get thrown out because they granted lied about their academic... Um, credits accreditation what have you okay um and he he was another one that was supposed to be talking about the mechanisms behind her injuries so the mechanisms behind the injury like thing was thrown out the blow poke thing was thrown out the blow poke was fine they found it it was in one piece it wasn't remotely like damaged like it should have been um still still got to put an apb out on that owl uh-huh. but for all intents and purposes, the only thing that they had to go on from what I'm seeing here is 
Michael was a bisexual man who slept with other men while married to his wife. Uh And she had a life insurance policy that he would not have been able to collect the money from anyway had she died. And he had been suspected of killing her. Um, But and he signed away his rights to it during the trial anyway. Um, Even though he probably could have used it because he said he was in debt. Lots of credit card debt. Yeah. Um, But. Yeah, so he's I think that a new trial is fair. Yeah. Um, And and I guess 12,000 deaths a year from falling downstairs being linked to two of them. I know people I know people who have had two different grandparents die of the same thing, but from Mm -hmm. different sides of the family and at different times. And who's not to say that that couldn't have been the case here? I don't know. Yeah. But in a statement, the the agent, Dwayne Deaver's attorney, Philip Isley, said, quote, we respectfully disagree with Judge Hudson's beliefs about our client, Dwayne Deaver. Our client did not perjure himself or mislead the jury in the original trial in any way. End quote. Mm -hmm. However, Michael's attorney, David Rudolph, said, quote, not only are we going to have a second trial in this matter, but during the second trial, the state's going to be handicapped and it all goes back to Dwayne Deaver being less than honest in his testimony. End quote. Mm -hmm. So upon his release, Michael expressed gratitude to the press, his gratitude to the press, saying, quote, I have waited over eight years, 2,988 days, as a matter of fact, and I counted for an opportunity to have a retrial. I want to thank Judge Hudson for giving me that opportunity so that I can vindicate myself and prove my innocence in a fair trial this time. I want to thank all the people who've supported me from all over the world. It's impossible for me to express my gratitude. What I want to do now, though, is spend some time with, you know, my family and my children. And certainly at a later time, I'd be happy to talk with everybody and share more. Thank you very, very much. End quote. Yeah, because like in all of this, he did also lose his wife. Yes, so he's dealing with a loss as well as, yeah. Like, think about it. He had been in her life from 1989. That's when he moved in with Kathleen. So, yeah. and and presumably he had met her before they moved in together. So over yeah, a decade. That, that's usually what happens. Yes. Most of the time. Um, not with, not with me and Michael, not with you and Elliot, but most of the time. Nope. Um, but yeah, so understandable. And even Clayton Peterson, his oldest son, told the press, quote, we know he is innocent and we know that the verdict will be different and justice will be served, end quote. However, mm-hmm. Lori Campbell, Kathleen's other sister, felt differently, saying that Michael getting a new trial, quote, doesn't mean he's not guilty of murdering my sister. I would say he should stay in jail until 12 new jurors find him guilty, end quote. Um, and that's it's a, to say. a hurt family member. It's a hurt family member, but I and I don't know her point of view on this, but I do find it like, Caitlin reading over her mother's autopsy and being like, this doesn't add up. Absolutely. That is an yeah. that is a beyond valid thing. Uh yep. Candace Zamper Zamparelli, is that how you pronounce it? I don't remember off the top of my head now. Um, but her other sister saying that her sister would not have been okay with him being bisexual and it just it it again it reeks of bigotry to me and if like that's the reason why you're not into it yeah it, it, why you don't think he's why you think he's guilty is because oh well he's he's a bisexual like that just doesn't yeah it just seems like you're projecting your thoughts and beliefs on yes. somebody else's relationship which yes. has no bearing on yes. your life yes i will never forget when my mom and my dad 
um, not even just my mom and dad, but when other people were, I, I remember hearing like parents would all talk about like when Caitlyn Jenner first came out and mm. being and hearing on TV people saying like, oh, well, she, she Chris Jenner couldn't have known and blah, blah, blah. And then it came out that not only did Chris Jenner know, Chris Jenner knew that like her her spouse at the time was having these conflicting feelings. And like, how could you not there? You live with them yeah. every day. There's either either they've been playing you from the very beginning or that which is highly unlikely. We don't live in we don't live on the A&E network. Yeah. Um. Or, you know, like you these are things that, you know, this was she had been with Michael and Kathleen had been with each other. They'd been living together from 1989 until she. Horrifically passed away the end of December 2001. Yeah. That's a long time to cohabitate with somebody. You yeah. learn every little like I think that I know everything about my partner now. And we've only been living together for what, like five years, six years, seven years, seven years, seven years, uh -huh. maybe give or take. Um, And double that more than double that. And I would think that she would have known. Yeah. I would think that she would have it, it, like. I don't think that that's something that you you keep. Now, I'm not talking about any potential for affairs, but I don't think you keep your sexuality from your partner, especially when, when they've got such a deep connection. They've got such a deep love for each other and a bond like they do. Yeah. Like everybody was talking about this. Acquaintances would say how it was so obvious that they loved each other. Family and close friends said how obvious it was that they loved each other. Yeah. Um, and also, you love somebody that much and you kill them? Mm-hmm. So, the, anyway, um, on February 24th, 2017, this all ended with Michael entering an Alfred plea to a reduced okay. charge of manslaughter. And an Alfred plea basically allows a defendant to maintain their innocence while acknowledging that prosecutors have enough evidence to convict. Yeah, I think we talked about this in um, another case because I remember, I remember Alfred plea. Yeah, I off the top of my head do not remember when we talked about it. No, um, I don't know when we talked about it, but I know that phrase and I knew what it meant. So I was like, okay, we've done we've talked about this. Yes. Um but yeah. So he entered an Alfred plea um and I just did a little look and it was when we talked about the strip search scam. Um Okay. TBT to that one. Um and for those who want to go back and listen to that, that was episode 105 of our podcast. Wow, way oh back God. in the day. I know. Almost 200 episodes ago. Can you believe? Um, yeah, I know. So as a result of the plea, though, he was sentenced to time served and so officially became a free man. All right. Um, now to get into pop culture, there have been a ton of books, documentaries, TV shows, everything all about this case, including season 11, episode 22 of Forensic Files, a novel idea, uh, season 22, episode 41, and season 22, 25, episode 28 of Dateline NBC, both titled respectively Reversal of Fortune and Down the Back Staircase, um, season three, episode 14 of Cold Case, the, the episode titled Debut, um, 
uh, even the first season of the 2017 sitcom Trial and Error, which you can watch on Amazon Prime. It's got John Lithgow, um, uh-huh. Nick D'Agostino from Fired Up, uh, Jamie Mays from Glee. They're they're all in this. This is loosely based on the case. Um, Interesting. OK, it's like a it's like a Parks and Rec style mockumentary comedy. OK. And Nick D'Agostino plays a big city lawyer who comes down to defend his client, who is John Lithgow, who is a closeted man that has been accused of murdering his wife. And it's just a lot of hijinks and all this other stuff. John Lithgow does a lot of rollerblading. Um, okay. But it's it's goofy, but it's cute. Um, but the first main, like, actual meaty pop culture reference that I will mention is a French mi- miniseries called We Need Elliot. Um, that's not the title of this. It's just I realized that I, I meant to was. ask Elliot. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> um, I want to hear what you think it is. Um, all right. I think it's Soupchons. It's that's what it's going to be. O U P C with a little tail. O N S. C with a tail. Okay. C with a tail. Um, and it translates to the staircase. Okay, and, cool. Yeah, and it was originally broadcast in 2004 as part of a BBC Storyville series. Um, actually, the the uh, what do you call it? The staircase. Um, the series was originally like put into production, like during the Peterson trial. This just it uh-huh. it caught the attention of the creator. Jean Xavier de Lestrade, and he just became very interested in the subject. Um, and he wasn't the only one because the film editor for the original first half of the documentary, Sophie Burnett, um, she had a she ended up getting into a 15 year relationship with Michael Peterson from Whoa. 2002 until May 2017. Like wow. they were together, yes. And Mike Nafong, the DA involved in the case, appears, or the assistant DA involved in the case, is part of this. Um, it, it's just, it's it, it's probably the most famous documentary series about it. Um, but it is in different, how do I explain this? Because I don't want to say it's in different parts, because okay. it's... It's not. There's there's multiple um like basically it's split in half. Um okay. there's only there's only one season, but the first half of it came out in 2004. Um it's about cuz you can watch it on Netflix now. Um uh-huh. there's about 8 episodes from the 2004 version. And then it came back in 2013 when they fast forwarded to 2011 when he is given this second chance at a trial. Yeah. And so they did a two parter on that, um, like the the same crew and everybody. And then um, That's really or not the cool. same crew, but like, you know what I mean? Like the the same the same French guy production. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they did another one, a final one in 2018 for the when the retrial happened that came out and that was three parts so this was originally aired on the bbc 
But then it got picked up by Netflix and put into one entire docuseries yeah. called The Staircase. Um, and like I said, you can watch it on Netflix. It is there. Um, and so the sequel was The Staircase to the Last Chance. Um, and it was, like I said, broadcast as, originally as part of the BBC Storyville series under the title Death on the Staircase. But now you can watch it all on Netflix. I'm saying this again uh-huh. because my notes are all over the place today. Um, but it has a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb with over 26,000 reviews. Yeah. An 86% Google score and a 94% tomato meter rating on Rotten Tomatoes with an 82% audience score and the critics consensus, quote, the staircase in its newly expanded form offers a gripping, detailed depiction of the complex justice system, even if the overall narrative lacks objectivity, end quote. I mean, Hmm. when the editor is dating the subject, I can see that happening. Um, However, I don't I don't know. I don't know that people would be. Uh, what's the word? Um, I don't I don't know why she would date him for so long. 15 years. That's a long ass time. If she wasn't thinking that he didn't do it. Um, yeah. But. Then there is. The other the staircase. <laughs> Um, which was an eight episode miniseries. Yes. An eight episode miniseries based on the case named after the docuseries. Um, And it's on HBO, HBO Max, Max, whatever it is now. It'll probably be different by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. Um, And it premiered in May 2002 or 2022. Just kidding. I'm a liar. Um, So literally a year ago. And it's got an all-star cast. Uh, Colin Firth plays Michael Peterson. Tony Collette is Kathleen. Sophie Turner plays Collette. Margaret Ratliff. Uh-huh. Um, if you love if you love Tony Collette, then you've probably seen The United States of Tara, which she was the titular character Tara on this uh-huh. series on Showtime. And her sister is played in, on that show is played by Rosemarie DeWitt. Rosemarie DeWitt also plays Candace Zamperini. Kathleen's sister in this series. Wow. I know. I loved that. Uh, Dane DeHaan plays Clayton Peterson. Um, Parker Posey plays Frida Black, one of the the Mm -hmm. one of the ADAs. Um, Juliette Binoche plays Sophie Broussard, the editor from the docuseries that dates Peterson after the fact. Um, Uh So this to quote Stefan from SNL, this series has everything. Um, It does. But you know what it doesn't have? What does it not have? The family's stamp of approval. Because Todd oh, Peterson. Hate that. Yeah, he posted on Instagram on May 28th, 2022, speaking out against the miniseries for it being inaccurate and poorly researched, writing, quote, HBO, the danger of hiring evil people to make movies for you. Their evil is reflected in their work, and that evil is absorbed by your viewing audience end quote, as well as, quote, the evil director Antonio Campos should be blackballed by all of Hollywood and never be allowed to work for a first rate company ever again. End quote. He said of Michael and Kathleen Peterson in the video, quote, I've said it before. My dad and Kathleen never fought once. I never once ever saw my dad and Kathleen ever have a fucking argument ever. They had the greatest relationship I've ever seen. I have no fucking idea how that's possible, but it's true. All of those scenes you're seeing on HBO are complete fucking nonsense. I'll be the first to talk shit about his dad. 
they had a fantastic relationship, my dad and Kathleen, end quote. And he said further of the series creator, Antonio Campos, quote, the way that this guy showed how I got here was a complete lie. He basically erased all that I ever did that I'm proud of. And he also did it to my mom, end quote. Damn. Yeah. So he is not pleased with it. And he does talk about. You could say that. Yeah. He does talk about there being a lot of lies about people. However, there are some interesting depictions that are apparently kind of realistic and pretty uncomplimentary for both sides, both the prosecution and the defense. Um, For example, frequently throughout the series, Michael and Kathleen, the characters, refer to Clayton's, quote, spring break incident, which it turns out was an incident that really happened. Um, In 1994, during Clayton's freshman year at Duke University, he lost his fake ID just before leaving for Myrtle Beach for spring break. So he broke into... Ooh, hate it when that happens. Oh, well, you'll love when this happens. He broke into the Duke admin building to steal a photo identification printer and equipment. And to create a diversion, he planted and lit the fuse to a non-functioning pipe bomb. But when Uh. the ATF executed a search warrant at his parents' house... Agents found six additional pipe bombs in the attic, so he was federally charged and convicted and sentenced to four years in prison. Little Eric Harris. Yeah. I Furthermore, I knew I, sh- I knew I shouldn't trust a Clayton. I was about I'm to sorry say. Sorry if your name's Clayton. I know, but at the same time, when you said that, I was like, interesting that she should mention mm. this. Um, he got the name of a Disney villain. Yeah, that's what happens. Um, but. Also, in some of the early episodes of the series, the character of Frida Black, played by Parker Posey, is shown sneaking little nip bottles of alcohol into her coffee cups. Um, Uh In real life, Black was so after she served, like after working as a public servant up until she she left the position in 2005. Um, in her real life, she was arrested for two DWIs in 2012 and in 2015. And Mm. when she did die in July 2018, her autopsy showed that the cause of death was, quote, end stage liver disease due to chronic alcoholism, end quote. Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, I mean, she seemed kind of bigoted. So, yeah, but still, alcoholism sucks. Alcoholism sucks. Yes, you and I, we know, but accurate. This the portrayal seems yeah like taking some creative license maybe with the putting the alcohol in the cups but she was an alcoholic um so this series has a 7.1 out of 10 on imdb with over 30,000 reviews it's been out for a year um 86 86 google score and a 92 percent tomato meter rating on rotten tomatoes with a 57 percent audience score and the critics consensus quote the staircase doesn't hold many surprises for those already intimate with the original documentary but this dramatization brings a fresh perspective and texture to the mystery along with a terrific performance by colin firth end quote i would expect nothing mm. less from colin firth um this case has also been covered on a bunch of other podcasts including and that's why we drink my favorite murder the generation y podcast criminal the list goes on so if you want to learn more you can listen there and as a writer it should come as no surprise that michael has written and independently published two memoirs about this case wow uh the first was released in 2019 it's called behind the staircase and it has a 4.04 out of 5 on goodreads and then the second was released in 2021, titled Beyond the Staircase, which has a 3.46 out of 5 on Goodreads. And 
whether you think he did it or not, um, I felt it was important to mention that as posted on pretty much every sales listing for the book that I was able to find, all profits go to charity. He does not collect okay. money from these books. Yeah. Um, which, dope. Like, we love a charitable Probably wise thing. decision. Yeah, exactly. Very smart. We love a charitable donation. Uh, and that's, that's, that's about, that's about where we're at. All right. That's all we, that's all she wrote. That's all, that's all we got. All right. Um, but yeah. Very interesting case. Again, this is so twisty attorney. There's definitely more information that's probably covered in the, uh, the doc and everything. And obviously, um, regardless of if somebody is, uh, guilty or not, I would probably read the books that they wrote about it because yeah, I'm curious. That's it's very interesting to hear a firsthand account of about yeah. You want to know what happened? Like like it's yeah. it's morbid curiosity, you know. Um, yeah. but I mean that's regardless the whole genre, right? That's the whole genre. That's why we do what we do. Well, and to to kind of cut through the misinformation out there. That's really why we do what we do. Um, yeah. And hopefully that's what we've done with this case because please God, I know that there's a lot of twists and turns and there's a lot of confusion, but damn it. If I did not try my best. <laughs> I like it. It's good. I, I don't know if he's guilty anymore or not. I have no, I that's what I'm saying. I have no idea because if you did not have the Elizabeth Ratliff situation, I would say yeah. he's not guilty. Yeah. That's the one thing that's holding me back. Yep. But yeah, let us know. Well, yeah. What do you Listen, think? And it, did you watch the whole docuseries and did you watch the whole uh, dramatization series? I've been saving. I've been saving both of them because after researching this, I was like, I do want to watch this. But I know you, I, you and I have discussed this. I think I may have mentioned this here even. I try not to, in my research, watch the documentaries and things like that because then I find myself quoting them and not realizing I'm quoting them and that's not cool to like take somebody else's work and plagiarize um and I don't even realize I'm doing it is the problem but I am very much looking forward to watching this after yeah. we're done recording I, I just saved. always thought of this one as like one of those really big time commitment ones that you really got to sit down yeah. and pay attention to like like I mean, the jinx it is. yeah it is yeah it's not so it's why by no means a short yet. one um the the mini series is <laughs> a little like they're both they're both i believe eight episodes um but the mini series is i think i no now that i say that they may be about the same i think i think the mini series is like eight and a half hours and the staircase is like like the 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 docu series is like 11 hours or something like that so yeah. it's comparable i mean i'm always gonna i'm always long. gonna lean towards the documentary over the miniseries oh, because absolutely. the miniseries could take so many liberties it with takes what they're so doing. much creative license yes i agree yeah. uh but before we go do you have a palate cleanser oh do i um i actually <gasps> do i actually do this time um, so a palate cleanser if you have not listened before is something that's non-true crime related that um because true crime can be such a bummer so this is something that's not true crime related that um, we're going to end with. Yeah. Suggestion, recommendation, just a fun thing. Fun little thing. Cute little thing. What is your palate cleanser? My palate cleanser is 
Nora from Queens. It's Aquafina's series, and I started binging it on HBO Max slash Max, whatever it's called now. Um, yep. And it's just it's a a quick thirty minute little goofy vignette, um, and I just think it's very funny. It's got it's this thing has everything. It's got our fave B.D. Wong from Law and Order fame. Love. Um, it's got obviously Aquafina playing herself. Um, Michelle Buteau does a guest star at one point. Um, Bowen Yang comes in and guest stars. At I'm love. very early in it. Yes, we love Bowen Yang. Michael loves to make fun of me because I love Bowen Yang. Um, and yeah, I just I think it's a cute little time. Um, if you've got the time, definitely check it out. And then also we watched. Atsuko Okatsuka's um what is it called? A stand up special. That's what they're called. Um she's for those who don't know, she plays Yuri in the new Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Um She was on um what's his name? Mike Probiglia's podcast a while back. Yes, she's they're very funny. friends. She's very yeah, funny. Her she's, special she's is on HBO. To, yeah, she's opened for him before at a couple different places. Yeah that makes sense okay I'm yeah a big microbiglia fan so well and you would be a big fan of her special the intruder um okay it is michael is not a big stand-up special type of person and it was the, it was like with tiger king where michael came in and was like nope i'm out and yeah, then just glanced at the tv, glanced and, then at just the TV there. and then was like it starts migrating back the over to the couch. To you? Yeah. Yes, yes. I don't even have to pat the couch. Michael just floats. Um, that's what I but, did with um, during the pandemic. That's what I did with the first season of Love is Blind. Yep, yep. And now <laughs> Elliot's in it to win it. Um, but yeah, so either of those, check them out. If you're into a more long-term thing, I think there's like three seasons of Nora from Queens. Um, but if, you're in, if you don't have three seasons worth of time and you've got just like an hour and a half, The Intruder, Oh my god, it's hysterical. It is so 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 funny. Highly recommend. Yeah, um, I never really go to HBO for comedy specials really, so I'll no! have to check out their their list. Yeah, uh, well, and that's why I was checking it out cuz I didn't want to watch a movie, but I wanted to watch something longer than a TV show. I had a little bit of time before I went to bed. And I ended up clicking on it. I I will admit, I clicked on it solely because I really liked her whole vibe. Like, she's got a really interesting haircut. She's got great fucking clothes. And I was like, all right, all right, I'm going to check this out. And I regret nothing. It was hilarious. And I Mm -hmm. highly recommend it. All right. We love. Yeah. And I love you. Thanks. (gasps) I have Uh, one more. I'm so sorry. Get a bird feeder. Bye. All right. That's it. If you have a cat, get a bird feeder. Yeah, get a bird feeder for your cats. (laughs) Um, uh, if you love us, then yeah. you can email us at crimeculturepod at gmail.com. You can follow us on our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have yeah. a website, which is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. You'll find we all do. the links there. We also have a Patreon. Uh, for as little as a dollar, as much as whatever you want, you can join our Patreon. We, uh, have polls to pick for episodes um which is up right now mm-hmm. if you are at that level bo- bo- of the bo- patreon go and vote um you can get episodes early fun stuff um yeah. we also have a link to our discord we just got a new member 
of our Discord <gasps> community. They messaged me and they were like, I don't know what Discord is, but I want the link. And I was like, God bless you, man. <laughs> we all uh, started Discord, there. Don't worry. Discord is like a community chatting app that yeah. um, we have different channels for different topics. Like we show off our arts and crafts and we show off our pets and we discuss podcast episodes um, I put in, uh, every Monday, I put in a little, like, gif, a little spoiler for what the episode's gonna be on Tuesday. We share good news with each other. It's a fun time. So If you're a 90s baby or older, it's kind of like a message board. Yes. Yes. So, um, message us on any of our, um... Platforms. Yeah, any Socials. of our platforms. Like, DM us, and we will send you the link to the Discord we're a fun yeah. time. You can also just lurk uh, if you want. You don't have to have like, a lurker. Yeah, you don't have to like be active and like posting a bunch of stuff. We're not going to yeah. blow up your phone. Like, you can mute different things. Like, true. It's totally cool. So I think you can mute um, specific channels. You can mute specific channels. Uh, you can mute it for like certain time periods. Like mm -hmm. uh, every once in a while. Like if something's like really blowing up, I have to like mute while I'm at work. Um, but it's. It's always it's always fun. So go yeah. ahead and message us and we will send you the link. And I think that's it. I think it's everything. Yeah. I think you I think you got it. Yeah, this was a little bit of a long one. I don't think we have anything to cut, Remember so it's going to be like an hour and a half. Long one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I got to go to bed. So Yes, you get to bed. With that, to bed, I said. we're going to see you next Tuesday. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.